So the big question is this, how do investors like us who don't have a PhD in finance earn millions to start investing? How do we grow our bank accounts to build real savings and retirements and yet still have the time to do what we really love? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answer. Awesome. All right. Well, there's your first day, guys. That's that. Super fun stuff. Um, something kind of interesting today. Uh, we talked, you know, this sociology class, which was super cool. Um, and as I test my way home today, I'm sure going to have to uh, enjoy the principles of people and society. But something kind of interesting came up. Um, you know, when he, the peop, they talk about uh, they talk about rules, right? And, uh, and using rules as sort of a foundation for social principles and how they come to be. And, you know, it gets you thinking about a lot of things, you know, in the market um, with circuit breakers, uh, they govern stocks, right? So although you might have control over parts of your investment, a lot of the time you're going to be governed, especially with nine to noon stocks, when you're trying to trade those um, with certain percent gains for the day or gappers, uh, anything you do is always a little bit difficult because if the stock goes up, you know, 15, 20, 30 percent, in the first 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, hour of trading, uh, the stock gets halted by the SEC, right? So they stop all trading on the security just because it went up too much, the speculation, and now they want people to chill out and really consider the actual underlying value of the, the company. So when you're trading, what this means for you is essentially it's called a circuit breaker. And what will happen is you can be in a position, you can buy the stock, or, uh, or short it, just depends. And after you get in the position, they'll actually just like stop trading once there's a certain, um, a certain level that's hit by the position just based off the percent change. And so that percent change also, to tell you guys a little bit of what it was like working a minimum wage job uh, when I didn't really know too much about investing and especially uh, when investing just wasn't something I thought about. Because uh, now looking back, it's just, it's just such a surreal sort of uh, visualization experience for me because when I think about it, all the work I was doing, you know, I was working a minimum wage job, uh, which was awesome, right? I loved it. It was really great for me to grow as a person. It was a very tremendous opportunity. Uh, but when I think about financially what I was doing, you know, just saving all of the money I made, it makes me realize that like there were a lot of really, really great opportunities, uh, but a lot of those opportunities just passed up because I didn't really have the knowledge or the experience or the expertise to know what I was talking about and know what I was doing with investments, uh, which sort of, sort of sucks because the deal with it is, you know, the market was really hot the year I was working there, uh, which, you know, if you're looking back now, it's like, you know, who cares, right? The market goes up 20, 25%. It's really, really great. Uh, but in the long term, you know, it's, it's long term stuff. So it's just something to think about though, because you gotta understand the profound impacts it has, has on compounding long-term growth investments, right? So investments where originally might be working just for yourself or you have to uh, really get on the grind every single day, which is totally cool because what you're doing is you're saving up for your long-term retirement's future, which is absolutely killer for you as a person because what you're doing is putting in the work up front and then you're gonna reap the rewards later through second order consequences. They're gonna take your life and your lifestyle and your quality uh, of retirement or, or any savings goal you want to meet to the whole nother level because you're able to put the work in up front and then all you do is take where you're at and then get to where you want to be by setting goals mentally and then using the immeasurable power of the long-term American you know, economy to 
take you to that next level of personal growth and development. And it's really, really interesting because when I was working, I would just save my money, save my money. I didn't realize that like every single year, the value of the dollar that was in my bank account coming from my job was worth about 2% less than the year before. So just by having cash, it felt great because you're accumulating it. But at the same time as you accumulate wealth, you have to remember that it's constantly decaying because the federal government is printing away your purchasing power. It's printing away the cash every single day uh, through the treasury system, which sucks, right? It's uh, not a good system because they just have total control. The Fed has total control over monetary policy and how they, you know, they print money as they see fit. So because of that, you know, they've targeted about a 2% annual rate. That's what the board says, what the chair says. Um, they target 2% recently and, and for the coming decades, which is awesome, right? It provides consistent economic growth uh, for America and also, you know, internationally with trade. It gives us a very stable valuation, especially considering that, uh, you know, many, many, many foreign currencies are benchmarked off the US dollar index. So the value of the US dollar is very, very important in terms of long-term, large-scale economic play. Because without that constant deflation, you don't have any incentive you know, to spend or wherever it is, because the government's definitely gonna print money. Um, and then they try to get rid of it at the same amount. But it's the, the magnitude of literally sheets and sheets and sheets of paper, trillions and trillions of dollars. Um, and a lot of the time it's digital, right? So you don't even see it. It's just a number in some imaginary bank account with no minimum or no maximum account balance. It's like the Fed literally has a bank account where in a normal bank account, you would have to, you know, if you write a hundred dollar check, you have to have a hundred dollars in your account to give that check validly to somebody. Uh, but with the Fed, you know, it's like they have a bank account with no limit so they can write $100 check to whoever they see fit. And it doesn't really matter how much money is in the account. They could have $8 in their account, uh, you know, figuratively. And all of a sudden that check goes through, passes, it just creates new money in the economic system, which is what in turn drives down the value of individual dollars in the economy. Uh, since those are obviously going to be in more abundance as they print more stuff out. So it puts that, uh, single questioning drive on exactly what individuals and their savings and retirements are worth in the economy if they leave them in cash or in other low-bearing securities like CDs or uh, treasuries where, you know, you can get like 2%, 3%. But those percentages are so ridiculously small compared to both inflation and also the potential of average long-term compounding equity asset market returns in the American economy. And it's ridiculous, right? Because you think 2%, okay. So if I can get right now treasury rates are 3%. If I can get a 3% return on a treasury, I guess that means I have a net 1% gain. So if I put in $100, well, I guess the treasury ought give me an extra dollar out in purchasing power, which makes sense, you know. But then you think about like the true economic value of that and the very strangely but often unrecognized value of the opportunity cost in any given dollar for any situation, right? So these dollars, right? I mean, obviously you can spend them on whatever it is that you want in a, you know, a capitalist society, buy stuff, makes sense. But 
the true cost comes uh, when you think about the investment potential of any given dollar, especially considering long-term growth in the economy where you literally put your money in what's called like an index fund, right? Just a collection of stocks. Uh, and you have this huge, huge, huge collections of stocks. It is historically proven extremely safe uh, because you've got hundreds and hundreds of companies that diversify uh, whatever it is that you're investing in. So instead of having your entire stock portfolio based on like one or two or you know, 10, 20 stocks, uh, you've got hundreds and hundreds of these things that are historically benchmarkable based on you know large financial corporations that dictate which stock should be in the indices. And those indices are constantly you know, put together to have the best quality stocks uh, that they can so that they can have you know, the best quality index, the best quality long-term returns because that's, uh, that's what they care about and it's what matters, right? That's what matters to investors is having those quality returns that come out of a solid foundation with companies and fundamentals in the stock market. So you look at that and those funds on average, you know, across the major indices, it's like basically 10% a year, okay? Now, if you put $100 in, you get 10%, that's $10, all right, what do you do? But if you look at that in the long term, and you look at the immeasurable compounding value of that in the long term, suddenly your $1,000 is $10,000, $20,000, it, it all just depends on time and, and the impact that any given uh, investment that you make will have on your percent return, right? Because you have years and years and years to grow your portfolio. Those years and years and years are gonna add up 10% one year, hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, to 1100 bucks, 10% the next year, you're gonna add $110, 100% the next year. You're compounding every single year so that the new money that you make makes you more new money. Um, and then instead of just your money making you money, it's your money making you money and then the money you make from your money also making you money. And that just repeats over and over and over. And you can leverage that immeasurable power in uh, the market because the deal is if you leave it in there uh, long enough for the look at long-term indices, that's how people turn their thousand dollars into tens of thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars. All it is is time, and and then they just stick it in index funds, and it literally makes no. They don't touch it for years and years and years. Um, all you do is leave it in very very simple, uh, optimized and constantly analyze index funds that are maintained by these massive you know, financial firms that take care of your future. They take care of everybody's futures by, by establishing and maintaining these high quality funds, uh, right? So you look at that, you look at just buying it. That's when a lot of the discipline change comes in because instead of working at an individual level or thinking about how you're gonna change your positions based off market conditions, literally, all you do is, is develop uh, the discipline and acknowledgement and care to just leave the cash in investments. All you do is leave it in the fund, in the market, and you can go decades, uh, you know, 50 years without touching it, right? I know a lot of people are starting to retire now because 
all the assets that they have are worth so much, right? All they did was buy the S&P 500 index fund. All they did was buy the NASDAQ index fund. They buy one ETF, uh, which is like just a big, big collection of stocks that you can buy all at once. They buy one big, big collection of stocks that they can buy all at once. And their financial future set. They're freaking done. And the reason they're done is because they leverage the work of others and the research of others to, you know, find this higher calling and higher ability financial system for them that's going to allow them uh, to just straight up retire or build real savings, make, you know, get to their savings goals, whatever they want, um, because they just buy it and then their money keeps growing and then their money keeps growing. And then in the long term, there are downtrends for sure, but it overcomes that and the money grows over that and it just keeps growing. It just keeps growing. And then once you near your savings goal, once you near your retirement goal, then you start to you know sell a little bit of it, just in case of risk, right? Uh, at the highs, you start selling at the highs. And then all of a sudden you start to realize these massive gains that come from your investing. And suddenly you sell 10% of your position and that 10% was actually the exact amount that you started with because the underlying fundamental companies uh, that make up the indices that you're participating in with literally no work on your part but to push by once, one time, uh, on one specific date in very, very far past or, or you know, a date today that can be very, very important in the near future, you push by on your computer, on your phone. You just push the button once and all of a sudden the money, you know, it moves out of your account, right? Say you buy, you know, $5,000 in an index. Okay, well, there's your, uh, you know, 10% of your salary. I don't know, 10% of your month's work, which whatever, whatever you do. Uh, and maybe that is a TV to you, right? Maybe you say, okay, instead of having uh, this TV, instead of having this, you know, thing that uh, isn't really a huge deal in my life right now, that honestly, it would be worth more for me to invest in my future. Instead of having that very specific an unrealized uh, object in your life, you decide that, hey, you know what? I'm going to put it in the market. And so you just put it in the market, you know? And then forget about it. Oof, sorry. Uh, biking home today, uh, but the chain chain broke. So did not bring a hex wrench, which was a big mistake. So we are walking today. Uh, anyway, so you just put it in the market. And, and then it just grows and it just grows and it grows and it grows. And the amazing thing is that after you've done it, you don't put any work in, but the companies that you invest in are putting in more work than ever. They're growing their workforce more than they ever have because they care uh, so much about their shareholders, especially as they start to accrue uh, values, they start to grow in price. Um, and they're worth more and more and more. Now they have higher, bigger shoes to fill in the marketplace, right? They've got, they got stuff to do for their shareholders because they have a reputation to stand up for and they have shareholders. They're literally in business to serve their shareholders. The guy who started the company at this point is more than likely just another shareholder, a very large shareholder likely, but all the interests of the public company are for the shareholders and you are a shareholder the instant you decide that you're going to make an investment and once you make that investment, it's going to change 
your life because that's the investment that's going to finally give you the freedom to go out and do whatever you want in the current state knowing that you're saving for retirement that you're building up that portfolio for when you want to get that boat or the car whatever it is uh, that you want to do you have that covered because you're putting in this very very minimal amount of work up front and that amount of work is going to translate into so so much more in the future because and strictly because you had the discipline and knowledge of what to do and when to do it and it literally takes like five freaking minutes once you know what to do you got to get that education right that's what sucks is you know there's a pretty i think you know it's a really high educational barrier to entry into finance i remember when i when i started trading socks i was working minimum wage and and i wasn't really happy with my situation but i didn't really know what to do and so i started looking researching right like what are stocks how do i how do i invest how do you do this and uh and i remember i was i was working you know after school every day and and then i'd come home and i'd just research stocks and in the morning i would just, just keep researching stocks just keep looking up stocks see what's up and you know i did that for, for probably about half a year right i would just and i don't i don't know if it was necessarily just me i think one of the biggest influences behind that was like my boss was mick he he uh, just wasn't a fun guy right and and it sucks saying that and looking back at it but everyone i worked with you know just kind of like not that nice to and at the end of the night we always report to nick and we could never really do anything we didn't have control over our positions and to give you a little bit of background on what i mean by this i would i would get to subway at like 6 a.m. uh and then work until like 8 p.m. which is totally cool right i'm not complaining i definitely want to do that but like no one else was there it was just me for like 12 hours uh and so with that you'd think like you get a little control over it but like literally every single time like anyone had a problem or anybody wanted to change the order or anybody want a refund for any reason i would like have to get on the phone and call the mic and then i would get like a 5 minute you know and and, and i wasn't always like this but like i would have to listen to him you know tell me like hey jack you can't do it's no problems cannot do this big issues in marketplace you know and, and it just wasn't a very enjoyable experience i'd hear all this stuff about like yeah don't do this can't do that and uh it kind of sucked because Oh, it sort of felt like I was getting held at just for like trying to do my job, uh which is never, you know, a good situation for uh for whatever you're in because you know, you're trying to serve the people around you, but because of uh I don't know, however he felt the the marketplace wasn't this wasn't just me about like I would train people and I would always work with people and they sort of had the same thing like they were just it wasn't a very fun time to work with him. Uh, or under him as a as a manager, just really not a, a nice guy to, to do stuff with, which sucked, right? It sucked, uh, but you know you just kind of got to live with it and uh, make it work because there's not much else to uh, do, or you can't really change anything. So you just keep doing it, and I kept doing it. And one of the strange things that that happened is, is after a while. Uh, thanks, man. we were doing work and we were going hard with what we did and uh 
And one of the biggest problems was that there was just never control in the marketplace or with what we were doing, which sucked, right? Because, you know, we were just trying to make it work, uh, but it was tough to do, especially with the way we were treated. So as I started finding stocks and looking at these amazing new ways, Anyway, so, so as we, you know, got around to, you know, Christmas, it was probably like after five, six months of working there, um, you know, I just kind of got a little bit tired of it. And then something really interesting happened was a lot of the people I was working with, they just sort of like started quitting, uh, just started quitting. And it sucked because those are my coworkers, those are my friends. A lot of the times they would work with me uh, and I wasn't always working alone, right? I would work with other people and we had a good time, uh, you know learning great social skills and growing together. It was an awesome, awesome experience because we were one with each other. And that was really, really valuable. Um, it was a really great place to be. But then, you know, stuff started to get messed up because of having to work, you know, this manager, people just weren't happy with him and they started quitting. So, you know, guys I would train, uh, they just get tired of it and they would leave. And, some people that started working there before me, same thing. They just kind of got tired of it and they would leave. Uh, and it kind of sucks, you know? They weren't very happy with, with what was going on and no one really was. It was a bad place to be. But at the same time, we were learning like how to not be a manager. Uh, we learned ways to not treat people. And, you know, it kind of sucks looking back at it, but it was a really big motivation for me to start saying, hey, you know what? Maybe I uh, should start looking at that stock market thing. Maybe I should start learning a little bit more about these uh, opportunities in, in financial markets because you know what? That might be my way uh, out of here, right? Because at the time, I was growing and growing and growing, but I started to reach a plateau uh, with my social skills, which is what I was working on a lot uh, at the time. I was getting in front of people, being around people. You know, I wasn't very good at that before. I was, I was pretty you know, shy, lonely guy, and just not have it going for me. So that job was really great for, for developing that part of me, and I'm very, very thankful for it. But at the same time, it was just bad overall experience with what we were doing, which, which just kind of sucked. So people start leaving, and I decide that uh, I got to start looking at stocks more and more. So after work, before school in the morning, you know, I would just research stocks and research stocks and research stocks. And I probably had like four hours a day, maybe five hours, so I would kind of squeeze some of it in uh, between school. Uh, and so since it was between school, I could, you know, in between classes, you know, it's like five minutes of class changes. We would use seven of those a day. It's like half an hour, 45 minutes if I try. So I would take all those class changes and I would take everything uh, that I could do. And uh, I would just go for it, right? So instead of worrying so much about the opportunities that were either here or there, or what I was doing at Subway, I would just get home and, uh, and research stocks. And I did that, you know, pretty much every single day for about five, six, seven months. And uh, it was interesting because at the beginning, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about this stuff. I was just like looking up really weird stuff about like what are stocks and how do I get into personal finance and investing? and you know, I was looking for books on this stuff. I was looking for courses on stuff. And there were people that were in the marketplace uh, that were trading every day, which was awesome. And uh, they were like showing people some of the steps to day trading and, and how, to, how, to, how to do it, uh, which, was, which was awesome. But, you know, there wasn't a lot of stuff that was like, hey, here's how uh, to master your personal finances. Here's how to 
mash your investments so that you can finally build real savings and retirements and, and create the financial future, you know, whatever you want to forge, uh, no matter your income, right? Using the, the power of uh, financial markets and the American economy. So that's what I started researching. I started looking and growing with it. And, uh, and then I realized, uh, just I, I was looking at people and there were people that were making, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars uh, a day just trading stocks. And I was like, what? How, how's that happening? Right? So I started doing a little more research on that. And, and then I'm like, oh, so you have this thing called day trading and they work with charts and they, they have charts and they look at their charts and those charts tell them when to buy and sell stocks. So that was sort of interesting. Um, but at the same time, it was basically just following what people were doing. Uh, not a lot of uh, insights or really great things to follow uh, given the, the marketplace. So, you know, just start researching, keep researching, got to keep grinding. And uh, so after that, I just kept doing it. And I kept learning and, and, and going to, you know, Vestapedia, awesome site. A lot of really great guys on YouTube, Warrior Trading, Ross Cameron. Those guys were sweet, super influential. Uh, but they didn't really have, you know, like the information, right? It was, it was like, here's them doing it, but how do you get there? And that's sort of always what I wondered. And, you know, at the time, I'm working at Subway. I'm like 15, 16, probably 15. Uh, and... You know, I didn't have like four grand to drop on a course, right? I didn't have uh, thousands and thousands of dollars to invest because I was just getting my startup capital by working. And you got to work your way there, which is exactly what I was doing. It just takes time. You know, I was putting in all the hours I, they would let me. I worked, you know, on the weekends, 10 hours a day. And then during the week, I'd do like two or three weekdays. Uh, and that was, you know, pretty much all my time. Uh, plus, you know, it's just, you know, school or whatever. And then just researching stocks, right? And then, you know, my parents were separated. So it was, it was a travel and, and a lot of stuff that sort of restricted a lot, some of the weekends. So I could do, you know, uh, 30, 40 hours a week consistently. But, you know, it still takes time to get such a large amount of startup capital. Even though I wasn't spending anything, I wasn't like wasting my cash. I just didn't have the means to drop, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on a course uh, to start learning personal finances, which uh, I think shouldn't, you know, be the thing that, that stops people from learning. It shouldn't be the thing that starts people growing uh, into their space. And there are some good books on it at the time, definitely, um, you know, like The Intelligent Investor. I saw that and it was like, cool. But like, at the same time, I didn't know how to apply that into, you know, the world or in the marketplace or into what I was doing. Um, you know, it's great to know that there are all these long-term factors that you can use to analyze stocks, but I still haven't read the book because you just learn that stuff by doing it, which is, you know, probably should read it. But a lot of the things behind it are just underlying fundamental analysis factors. And a lot of those you just get by literally, you know, looking up company name, annual report, and then you find an annual report. And after you have an annual report, you just freaking read it. And, uh, and then you have a brief consensus of the company. But at the same time, like, you don't need to do that, right? With long-term investing in indices, which is something I found, like, no material on, like, that stuff, it's not, uh, it's not about, you know, analyzing companies or spending, 
you know, hours and hours reading 100-page documents. You, know, you don't have to do that uh, to find financial security and long-term growth in the market, right? So as it kept going on and on, I started to realize that some of the biggest impacts and, and actual profit implications I found in the marketplace came from you know, researching what's called technical analysis, these trading patterns uh, that I would just find all over the place online. And there were you know, thousands and thousands of these patterns that you could use or at least hundreds, I mean, there's just a bunch of them. And people would develop them by day trading stocks. But then I learned that like, I was able to apply those patterns onto long-term investments. So I spent months looking at like, how these patterns emerged in investments. Cause you know, I had school at the time. So I couldn't really, you know, day trade stocks. It just wasn't an option. Uh, and because it wasn't an option, I had to move. And when you move, you just, you gotta make it happen. So, you know, swing trading, long-term investing, you know, swing trading just being like medium-term investments. That was what I, when I had to go to because uh, there uh, just wasn't the time of day for me to, for me to do that on top of work or, or school just because the market wasn't open, right? So the volatility wasn't there, couldn't trade nine to noon. Uh, and that was that. So I keep doing this research and I'm learning about all this stuff. Uh, that's really, really great, really cool stuff, but I wasn't really able to apply it, right? So I keep trying and trying for months and months, and then I start to realize, so I've started to find the patterns out of the you know, hundreds that I'd looked at. I started finding the ones that were applicable, the ones that worked uh, every day. Not necessarily every day, but like every month, every year, over and over throughout time because those were the setups that established that strong, strong financial basis for investments for me because I was able to finally under see the results in the marketplace. So I would see something like a head and shoulder setup where there's a high initial run up and then it goes down a little bit and then there's a really high run up to the head it's above the shoulder, and then it goes down to that neckline that was created by the first shoulder, and then it runs back up again to that first shoulder level, but it actually reverses down to the neckline, crashes through the neckline, and, uh, and then it goes down to the height of the head to the neckline, or uh, just from the start of the initial run up to the first shoulder. So what that meant for me is I could look at a chart and all of a sudden I started to see these patterns like that emerge. And when you find those patterns, you can consistently trade them and over and over in you know, these longer term stocks, I started seeing these patterns and I look at the history of them. I would just look at histories of stocks for months and months. And when I was looking at histories of stocks, I finally started to see that these patterns were working, you know, with, with hindsight, I was able to see that they completed and they completed correctly. And they've been proven in the marketplace based solely on the history of what happened, based solely on past performance of individual stocks. And those individual stocks alongside those long-term equities and those long-term funds uh, were what showed me that like, hey, you can actually 
figure out where a stock is going to go based on how its chart looks. As long as you have a, a, a strong grasp on the fundamentals and you understand the underlying investment. And once, once I realized that, things started to click really fast. I really started to like stocks because all of a sudden you can predict where something's going to go in the future. And if you're right, and if you use the setups that make you right, you know, you're making bank off that, right? And you're able to make money directly in the marketplace without a boss, without, you know, having to go somewhere to work. You don't have to go to Wall Street to be on Wall Street. You download an app on your phone or you load up a, a web page on your computer and you have instant access to the world's largest and most powerful financial market. And it's insane to think that like people had to call brokers, like they had to print out charts. I can't imagine how, you know, people invested uh, before the internet age or, or the information age because like all this information just isn't there. And it's so, it was still really, really tough to find, right? There was not a lot of quality uh, material in the marketplace that taught people, hey, here's the applicable steps on on how to actually go from zero to a hundred in personal finance and investing. You know, there were books and there were a bunch of technical things that were like super tough to get over. Um, and those technical terms are great if you know what's up, but a lot of people, like I didn't know what was up. I didn't know what some of, you know, VWAP, volume weighted advertising, I didn't know that like that meant that it was the average price of a stock in any given daily interval based off of the volume of the shares traded at a certain price level. Like, what's that mean to me, right? I didn't understand that. Uh, and I don't think it, you can really understand that until you have experience in the marketplace and you see a stock that is going down and down and down and down, but then it hits that magical volume weighted average price it hits that magical VWAP value and that VWAP value is what ultimately bounces the price so the price goes up uh, and then all of a sudden instead of it going down it goes up and then it breaks out and then it makes a new high day and then lo and behold it was actually an ABCD setup and and that's just another technical setup that through time and ages works consistently to bring people great, great profits with strong risk reward ratios into the marketplace. <sighs> and because uh, you can find those, those setups and those patterns, those were the ways where I was able to finally find consistent profits, find consistency. And, uh, and then that was like, oh, okay, so that's how these guys are making all this money trading stocks. That's how they're doing everything they do. Because before, it was like, dude, what? I don't know. That sounds really tough. How do you get into stocks? How do you learn that stuff? And through months and months of just constant research, I started to learn about, you know, all these amazing charting patterns uh, and techniques. And it's not just the patterns, right? You have to have that underlying uh, fundamental understanding of what you're doing before you get into it. And you got to understand the stocks because you don't want to get into a position that's just gonna go, you know, the company goes bankrupt, like that's not good, right? So there's definitely some of that underlying financial analysis, uh, which is 
it's very easily established once you start just doing it in the marketplace. But the tough part is learning how to start doing it without you know, losing your shirt, losing your whole account uh, with the trades. Because I know just jumping ahead a little bit, you know, one of my first trades, I, I, I liked computers a lot, right? So I'm thinking, okay, well, I don't know what a whole lot of companies are in the States. So of uh, computer companies and how those computer companies would play out in the marketplace based on what I knew at a fundamental level uh, about the computer industry and about competition in the space. And I said, hey, you know, advanced micro devices, AMD, you know, they're doing some really great stuff that not a lot of uh, people in the space were doing, right? They had this amazing, amazing chip that was coming out and they were using it as a way to, uh, to skyrocket the productivity. Want more stock market secrets? If so, go get your free copy of my best-selling book, 9 to Noon. You can get your free copy plus $11,176 of unannounced bonuses. It took me years to uncover completely for free at 9toNoonSecrets.com. Inside 9 to Noon, you'll find the top 38 secrets you can use to double your portfolio every two years and make upwards of 10% per trade daily.